Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. A big-time court decision goes in favor of Oregon State and Washington State, but will it hold up? Also on today's show, a new edition of the Big 12 Watch Power Rankings. Can Oklahoma State hang on to a top-two spot in the power rankings, and will they be able to do so in the league as well? I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. This, once again, is the Big 12 Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football part of the 365 Sports Network. You all can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those places. Also here on YouTube as well, like the video, leave a comment, and also subscribe to the channel. Those are the best ways to help support this program. We appreciate you all doing those things. So yeah, there's a lot to get to. Uh, No show yesterday. My voice, I'm trying to get it, you know, we have the change of weather happening. It's happening all across the country. But in Arkansas, happens a little bit slower for us here. So uh, my voice took a little bit of a hit yesterday. And you all might be able to tell I'm still trying to get it to back to full strength just a bit. But it's just one of those deals that's going to happen every single seasonal change. Spring to summer um, and summer back to fall and almost fall back to winter. Like it's almost a doubling up I, I get. So we're going through it right now. This is kind of the uh, the summer to fall. I, I'm in a sweatshirt, but we're between weather. So I know a lot of you folks out there in Big 12 country dealing with the same things. I appreciate you all sticking with us and sticking with the show and sticking with my voice as we're trying to make sure it, it, it hangs in there. So uh, we got our first decision in the, uh, the Pac-12 court saga, right? And it's going to go Oregon State and Washington State's way. Not too surprised about it, but we're a long way off from being done. So I think that's the first thing we have to state when it comes to this. I'll dive right into it. We'll read from ESPN here. Uh, Kyle Bonagura, I believe is how you pronounce this over at ESPN. He is a staff writer. Ruling grants Washington State and Oregon State full control of Pac-12. A state judge in Washington, who's also a uh, went to Washington State, has to be mentioned, granted Oregon State and Washington State sole control of the Pac-12 Board of Directors on Tuesday, issuing the ruling at a preliminary injunction hearing in Whitman County Court. Judge Gary Leiby, I believe it's pronounced, granted a stay of the decision until Monday (coughs) at no objection from Oregon State and Washington State. As 10 schools leaving the Pac-12 following the 23-24 year uh, initiate the appeals process. The decision comes roughly two months after Libby granted a temporary restraining order at the request of OSU and WSU that prevented Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov from calling any Pac-12 board meetings. Now, the funny part about this is I saw a uh, picture of George Klyavkov, I forgot at which game, but at a Pac-12 basketball game the other day. I mean, this guy, like, you want to look up lame duck in the dictionary? This guy has no juice. 
He had no juice before. He's got no juice now. He can't even call meetings between members of a board of a dissolving conference. That's how little power George Klyavkov has right now. Lame Duck is putting it pretty nicely to describe the situation for him. It's accurate, but it almost feels like he is the lamest of ducks, the lamest duck there ever was, George Klyavkov. Um, quote, I grew up where conduct spoke louder than words. That's how my parents treated me. And that's how I treated my children when they were growing up, Libby said before issuing his decision. With that in mind, this court finds in favor that the plaintiffs are likely to prevail on their interpretation of the bylaws, end quote. In a small Whitman County courthouse, roughly 15 miles from WSU's campus in Pullman, Libby heard arguments from three parties, OSU and WSU, the Pac-12 and the University of Washington, which entered the case as an uh, intervener working on behalf of the nine other schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado, Oregon, Stanford, UCLA, USC, and Utah. Over the course of about two and a half hours, all three parties argued for different outcomes. OSU and WSU argued, as they have done for weeks now in written briefs, that conference bylaws were clear that when schools announced they were joining other conferences, they immediately surrendered their seat on the conference board. That, they argued, was how uh, it worked when UCLA and USC announced they were joining the Big Ten and when Colorado announced it was joining the Big 12. It was not only until the other seven announced they were leaving, OSU and WSU argued, that those schools' interpretation of the bylaws changed and claimed that all 12 deserved a seat on the board. Um, there isn't a single document that has been produced which shows the University of Washington thought that this was the correct position until it provided its notice of withdrawal, and now the shoe was on the other foot, argued uh, lawyer Eric uh, Michael. I believe it's how you pronounce it, for OSU and WSU. But parties are not allowed to just blatantly flip-flop on the meaning of contractual provisions just so they can have their cake and eat it too. Now this, in my opinion, is a fair point, right? Arguing that, hey, Washington was not cool with USC and UCLA leaving the league until they were also leaving the league and now they would like to still be a part of the league as long as they are a part of the league, right? That's a totally fair argument, which I understand. To me, the financial thing is where this thing um, is where this thing begins to get interesting, right? That to me is where this begins to actually take form and take some take some different shape. But we'll get there here in a second. There isn't a single document that, that's I just read that the conference attempted to maintain an appearance of neutrality, lobbying for terms of temporary restraining order, uh, which required a unanimous vote of any major decision to remain in place. The conference's attorney, Mark Lambert, was less assertive when addressing the court, acting more to a capacity of obligation. Asked by Libby if the Pac-12 wants to continue its uh, business in the future, Lambert said, frankly, that's up to Oregon State and Washington State at this point, and the conference and the commissioner are sensitive to those issues and also sensitive to the notion that without a board, that makes things difficult, right? So basically saying, hey, man, 
if they want to keep going forward, that is up to them. Uh, you know, once it is just them, right? The departing schools asked Libby to rule against OSU and WSU outright, which would essentially have given them the right to govern the conference with a 10 to 2 supermajority, right? And this is where this is where this all is heading. At the heart of this dispute is forthcoming revenue, right? And that's forthcoming. That's what we have to talk about here, forthcoming. The departing schools, as they did writing earlier in the month, expressed concern that OSU and WSU could withhold revenue set to be distributed during this academic year. They also made the case that OSU and WSU's fear that the departing schools could vote to dissolve the conference um, then evenly distribute the remaining assets was irrelevant because their belief that process could be conducted without any board action, right? There were the, you know, the, hey, there, there is no decision across the board. Also, guys, it's my belief here too that it's not fair for Washington State and Oregon State to take, it's not fair in general this, this is happening, but it's my belief it's not fair that they get all of the revenue that all these schools are involved in earning. It's not just them who has earned this. All of these schools are entitled to this money. Oregon State and Washington State, you know, unless they're playing each other, like it takes two to tango, right? You need Washington and Colorado and USC and UCLA and Oregon State and Oregon. You need all those schools to play together to have these games, to have these contests which the TV networks are paying for. And so to me, you know, all of the assets, like all of the money, all the distribution, at least for this season, belongs to everybody because all of these schools are still involved. When it comes to that aspect of these negotiations, I am firmly on everybody's side. Like I'm, I'm firmly on the rest of the school side, the 10, if you will, because everybody is entitled to that cash because they participated in the games played this year. And look, guys, you can see this is this is borne out. And, you know, we saw this Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah all did not want to leave the Pac-12. They held on for as long as they could. But once it became clear that they needed to go act in their best self-interest and go elsewhere, like they did. So their commitment to the league was there. They should not be punished because they held on as long as possible. So they should, those schools all deserve to get the revenue that should be coming their way. They were committed until the very last moment. Like Washington and Oregon were looking for a way out, but you can't really blame them. That, I mean, in my opinion, you can't really blame them that much anyway. But Oregon State and Washington State are not entitled to all of the revenue that belongs to all of these schools for being in the Pac-12 this year. They all honored the contract that they signed. They've all honored that. So like this, this stuff about like, oh, I told my kids that, you know, I was raised that your word means something. There's no words. There's no contract past this season. There's nothing there that stipulates that, that Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA have to remain as a part of this league beyond this season. Are they entitled to anything after that involving a conference? No, right? They're not entitled to that. But like, as far as the conference's actual television revenue for this year, they are. Now, if you get to future assets, 
that's where there's a different conversation. But when we're talking about revenues involving in athletic, you know, involved that were accumulated in athletic events that these schools participated in, I have a very difficult time, in my opinion, saying that they don't deserve this. So to me, there's a big difference in who is entitled to what revenues, right? If we're talking about revenues earned by these schools for participating in athletic events against Pac-12 schools or as Pac-12 members, the, the current Pac-12 schools should be entitled to those monies. That is my opinion on this matter. I am not a legal expert, but that's the way I see things. If you're asking about, hey, Pac-12 assets in terms of like the Pac-12 network's cameras and Pac-12 network office spaces and uh, you know assets and uh, you know licensing assets, stuff like that, that's a different conversation. That money is it's different. Like it's and I think that's the one kind of hold up here to me. If I'm the current remaining schools that are about to disperse, the non-OSU and WSU, I'm fighting for everything I'm entitled to. Now, where I might disagree with them is, hey, look, like you're not entitled to make a choice about what happens with the league as it goes forward. But standard distributions of what's happening right now, you are. Right. So I think that's ultimately where this thing gets hammered out is all right, what are these schools entitled to and what are they not entitled to? Because appeals are coming. Uh, Ross Dellinger said it. So just because they're winning here does not mean that this is a win, period, point blank, end of the conversation. Obviously, it's nice to be fighting from a position of power for Oregon State and Washington State, but this is going to get continually appealed. And I, I don't, I mean, this is far from over, obviously. Um, and you know, once again, like those schools are upset about this, right? It's simply the fact that members could decide to dissolve, dissolve if they wanted to argue Dan Levin from Washington. Of course, in all of this time during these proceedings and before no member has called for such a vote. That's true. I don't know if the best possible argument is, Hey, we haven't voted to dissolve yet. So you can't argue that we would. Uh, and this article goes on to say it's unclear if the departing schools would attempt to act on that mechanism if they don't win on appeals. We are disappointed with the decision, uh, obviously, immediately seeking review from the Washington Supreme Court and requesting to put on hold implementation of this decision. Remaining 10 members said in the statement, as members of the Pac-12 participating in ongoing scheduled competitions, we are members of the board under Pac-12 bylaws. We have the right to the revenues earned by our schools during the 23-24 academic year, which is necessary in order to operate our athletic programs to provide mental and physical health services, academic support, and other support programs to our student-athletes. That is true. That is absolutely 110% true. Uh, also, Kirk Scholes and AD Pat Chun, a lot of the court's common sense decision. Uh, they are in that direction as well too. So this is going to continually get fought out. To me, it makes sense that these schools have future decision-making, but my big holdup is this. We cannot lump all of the assets together. When it comes to decision-making on the current monies that are involved in all of these schools participating, to me, it's pretty plain and simple with this. Those schools, Oregon, Oregon State, Colorado, Washington State, 
USC, Arizona. Everybody is entitled to money that they are helping earn. Future money, that's a great conversation. And that should be fought out. And Oregon State and Washington State, in my opinion, have a legitimate claim to future money in the conference. But monies for distribution that are coming from events that other schools are participating in, they, to me, are not just straight up entitled to that. That is not how I see this. You all might feel differently, but at least that is how I see this. All right. Uh, let's talk about my Big 12 power rankings for this week. So not a lot of changes at this point in time, but I do have a couple. I do have a, a couple that I want to highlight here as we roll through these. So number one in the conference is Texas. Now we have to acknowledge this and I, I have not brought this up on the show yet, but I want to talk about it here. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is going to be out for the rest, I believe of the season period, but the regular season, we know that too. This is a massive loss for Texas. Jonathan Brooks, whether it's been Quinn Ewers or Malik Murphy at quarterback, Jonathan Brooks has been the bell cow for Texas's offense this season. A.D. Mitchell's been great. Davey Worthy's had some moments, and I really actually like the way Quinn Ewers has played. But this offense, hell or high water, has been a Jonathan Brooks-led attack. So that does make things a bit more challenging for them. And they have been playing in some closer games. But because of Texas's defense, and I've mentioned this a bunch, and I'll keep saying it again, and their ability to stop the run, if you look at the teams I've got rated down the line here, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Kansas in the top four. All of them have tried to run the football on, uh, excuse me, two or three of them have tried to run the football. Uh, a fourth one, Oklahoma State, will try to run the football on them. Two of the three at this point in time have not been able to. The fourth has not tried. Oklahoma did, but that was their quarterback who did so, right? So that's a big question to me is can they do it? But Texas is up top until that rush defense looks differently. And uh, they've got two interesting tests the rest of the way, though. Texas Tech is coming on, and obviously Iowa State is now a bowl-eligible program, so a big game at Jack Trice coming up this week. Oklahoma State, they get to hold on to that number two spot right now. Just barely, but they're holding on to number two because they got thumped last week. Their body of work before that, to me, necessitates that they maintain that number two spot. So I'm going to keep them there. K-State is up one after a solid victory last week. A solid victory, you know, another blowout win for K-State. I think that sees them obviously rise. Now, Baylor's not very good, but on the rise is K-State. Kansas down one spot to number four. I don't hold the tech loss against them that much. Jason Bean goes down, Cole Ballard comes in, uh, and that's going to be a big question for them. I mean, obviously, quarterback health moving forward. But still, I'll keep them at fourth because they did beat Oklahoma a few weeks ago, and that win still needs to be acknowledged. So Oklahoma is at number five, and all these teams obviously are in the fray right now, uh, You know, trying to catch up and or, or tied with Oklahoma State. And guys, look, the tiebreaker, it is as confusing – as you all think it is. It's been as confusing as it has seemed. Uh, we'll try to get some clarity, but my Lord, does the Big 12 Conference need to clear up 
some of its tiebreaker procedures because it is so unnecessarily complicated. There is no doubt about that. Iowa State checks in at number six. They're up a spot. They become bowl eligible last week after an uh, easy victory at BYU. West Virginia down one spot. They get hammered by Oklahoma. Texas Tech is holding steady at number eight, even after their win. Just hard to move them up past West Virginia. UCF holds there at number nine. The rest of the way, I got them holding, right? And there are some varied results, but like, I, I know Cincinnati beats Houston, but I can't move Cincy past Houston just because the body of work on the season has not been good enough from Cincinnati overall. BYU holds because I can't put them in good faith behind Baylor. Be an interesting game if they played, obviously. Um, Baylor, though, has not looked good either. So everything's pretty much static the rest of the way. Let me know what you all think of the Big 12 power rankings and we'll start looking forward to and previewing the upcoming week ahead here on the Big 12 Watch. Once again, Josh Neighbors at Josh Neighbors underscore on Twitter, at uh, NWPod365 on Twitter slash X as well. Wherever you all get your podcast and here on YouTube as well, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Folks, we'll talk to you tomorrow.